Hello everybody, I'm Matt Mikuchi and you are listening to the Jazzy's Podcast. Hello everybody, Jazz is online editor Matt Mikuchi here, welcoming you to a new episode of our podcast series of conversations with some of the most amazing artists on the jazz and creative music scene today, a series that we simply like to call the Jazz is Podcast, and that is brought to you in conjunction with Jazz is Vinyl Club, a series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz is editors, and that is an absolute must for lovers of jazz and vinyl alike. And today we have the honor of being joined by a true legend, Jonathan Butler. His musical journey is nothing short of extraordinary. From his humble beginnings, touring from a very young age, growing up in apartheid-era South Africa, recording local hits that resonated with a nation longing for change, he has risen to become a global sensation. His soulful fusion of R&B, gospel, jazz and pop has captivated audiences worldwide, leaving a lasting imprint on the hearts and souls of those who listen. The music of the singer and guitarist took on greater purpose along the way, serving as a conduit for powerful messages of freedom and unity, and even reaching the ears of the great Nelson Mandela, who found solace in Butler's music during his time in prison. Today, Jonathan Butler continues to uplift and inspire, including with his latest album, Ubuntu, his 10th album on Mac Avenue. Through his heartfelt compositions, he spreads a powerful message of love, peace and unity, a message that stems from a life lived in the face of adversity, witnessing the triumph of good over evil. Get ready for an enlightening conversation filled with stories, insights and the unmistakable warmth of a musical icon. Fire up an audio teeny and listen to the audio waves as they fly through the air. Welcome to the Jazz Ace Podcast. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome to the Jazz Is Podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I'm really, uh, really excited. Happy Monday uh, to you. Yes, yes, yes. We're recording this on a Monday and in two different parts of the world, of course. I'm in the west of Ireland. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I, I'd love to. I'd, I'd, they play my music in Ireland? Oh, man. They play music everywhere. <laughs> oh, my God. That's amazing. That's great. That's good to hear. Yes, yes. So, you know, jazz is, is international, so you know we go <laughs> everywhere, anywhere. I love but, it. I love and, it. and of course, we we love your music, so we're truly honored to have you on our podcast series. And I'm excited to talk about uh, a little bit about your journey in music and uh, right up to your latest album, in fact, Ubuntu, uh, which was released earlier this year. But I kind of like to start off these podcasts by asking a little icebreaker question and collect memories in a way. So uh, I'd just love to ask you if there's a moment. Uh, from your childhood that when you think back to it you realize that's when you awoke to the beauty and power of music and that maybe also helped you understand that you'd like to pursue a life in music well Matt for me it was it was pretty uh, you know my first love for music was um, the winter nights uh, in Cape Town um, you know I grew up very poor and uh, I grew up in a shanty house and uh, so in the winter 
we'd make a, a fire. Um, we used to call it a galley, um, which is just a drum that you, my father put sand in the drum, filled it up with sand and then takes an ax and, you know, chops holes in it for air. And then you put the wood and the your paper and the wood and you paraffin, you light it up. And, and uh, once the coals get nice and red and warm, as the winter time, we, everybody used to congregate when I was a kid. My brothers and sisters used to congregate around the fire. And that's where they would sing. And, and my oldest brother would play guitar. And, and it was the most beautiful thing for me as a kid because that's really, it was, you know, it was in my family. The music was in my family, but it really took hold of me when I was very young, when I was four or five years old. It really took hold of me. And so, um, but those are my memories of, of uh, the, you know, I call it galley time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and it, so it was also a way of like being together to create. To, to, to oh just... yeah, yeah, and to be, you know, and also to be critiqued by each other. You know, uh, when somebody's out of harmony, there'll always be somebody saying something. You know, so it was just an incredible. Um, we were just very happy. You know, we were very poor, but we were very happy. I mean, music was 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 what we had you know that was something that brought us closer together um and uh and i you know my brothers uh my brothers traveled my sisters traveled so their stories was also a love for why i wanted to perform because they had such incredible stories of the journeys and where they played and the cities they went to and um it was just, you know, next thing I know, I'm five years old and I'm on stage performing, you know, in the local civic halls uh, for in the community. And, you know, and that was just really like, I think when I heard people screaming on the stage, you know, from the stage, it was just like, it was just so exciting for me as a kid, you know, and, right. and, I, always, yeah. and I always wanted to just be a singer because it was in my, it was in my blood, it was in the family. And, and it's so funny that I'm talking to you about singing because everybody thinks I'm a guitar player first, but I'm actually a singer first. So it's, you know, but the two combined came together over the course of my, um, you know, growing up and maturing and really finding my, my love for just the guitar, you know. Um, and, and singing together was just something beautiful. But it was those memories of the early, you know, galley time. With my, it, and then the coals, my father would take the coals, you know, take a shovel, put the coals in, the, in another little drum, bring it in the house to keep the house warm in the winter. And so that was just where it all started, you know. Yeah, so I mean, you you mentioned you wanted to be a singer. Was it also because you wanted to tell your stories and communicate messages from an early age? To, it was really to help my parents, to help my uh, my uh, you know my brother, my family. Uh, I mean, we were we were poor. I was probably the salmon. Looking back over my life and over the years, I was probably the salmon that swam upstream because I was put on stage very early, like five, you know, five years old. And I was making a living um, singing in, in clubs and in theaters and these Broadway type of tours that uh, at that time, in the, you know, late 60s, uh, um, I was earning like, you know, 25 rand, South African rand a week. And that money would go straight to my mother. I mean, back then the rand had value. And so... 
every week, you know, my brother would take me to the post office and we would send the money, you know, um, telegram the money to my mother. And um, so that always, there'll always be food on the table, you know, and um, so it was really, you know, my, my love for music was one thing, but my desire to see my parents support us was more important to me was what the needs of what was ha that we had at home was much more important. And so music was that was that blessing, you know, that allowed me to travel and go to different cities and play. Um, I mean, I played in city halls for like six months in Durban, or I'd go to Joburg for another six months and perform there. And so, you know, it went from city to city, from Namibia to Zimbabwe, you know. So I, I had a very, rich life traveling, you know, also travel, also troublesome, but you know, when you're a kid in show business, you do grow faster than the normal kid who's just going to school every day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you had uh, big responsibilities right from an early age that somehow this was also linked to your passion for music and it, it, it had its uh, good sides. And I guess sometimes it was also maybe, maybe it could have been difficult. Also, you know, I mean, not to mention that this was a very intense time, historically speaking, in South Africa uh, under the oppression of apartheid. I mean, how does that uh, shape your perspective on injustice and then eventually inspire your music? I was growing up in, in as a little boy. I mean, I was this little boy who, you know, uh, first of all, I grew up speaking Dutch, Afrikaans, you know, and English. Um, but I mean, when I was a little boy, I never spoke any English. I would sing in English, but I never even understood, you know, uh, until I grew up and, and, you know, I never had a tutor with me. So I basically had to learn English through music, through singing. And every, I remember the first, uh, city that I, that I, that I arrived in Durban, which was a completely English, uh, city, you know. I I was completely taken back by all of that. And also the club was called the Casino Nightclub. It was a jazz club. And there were amazing jazz musicians playing in that club. I remember vividly um, this guy, Roy Peterson, who played, you know, organ like uh, Jimmy Smith. Um, there was a Brazilian act for, uh, that was just un unreal, Sergio Mendes kind of thing. Um, but this, But the club was for whites only, you know. But being little, I did not know, you know, the, 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 the dynamics of social dynamic, what that meant, you know. I just saw us on stage, white people in the audience, black waiters. And as I was growing up, as I began to grow up and go from city to city and seeing all these white signs, only signs, colored only signs, blacks only, Indians only, it just became really... Um, really obvious to me that there's definitely uh, a discrepancy with the way the country was set up, you know, and I would listen to the, the older guys, musicians, after the concerts, after like we've gigged and stuff, I would listen to them have these deep conversations about the political, um, you know, social uh, segregation in the country. And so it, that's when I learned and that's where I learned about my, my country through these musicians who talked about Nelson Mandela, who I never knew, you know, or Walter Sisulu or Tabo and Becky. And I was like, 
who are they talking about, you know? And um, fast forward, you know, I'm, every year I visit Robben Island, you know, where Mandela was in prison, and I take 40 people with me from America and show them my country and give them sort of uh, uh, the opportunity to learn about South Africa. And uh, so it was, it was very troublesome to me in my teenage years when I started making records and I started getting gold records and won a Grammy award in South Africa at age 13. And that's when I realized this country, you know, I'm still living in poverty in the shanty house with all the gold records and all the, you know, all the accolades and stuff like that, you know, that never changed, you know? Yeah. But did you gradually begin to realize that with your music, you could contribute? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I realized that that was my vehicle and that that's where I found my voice, you know? And um, even though I wasn't going to sell uh records you know uh in the millions you know i i felt like this was my my platform and i found my voice and i loved my country the so very much to this day i love my country so much and so um i speak out about it you know i think uh i do what i I'm a, i do feel like i'm a person of conscience and um when when I see stuff that is really you know not of God and not of good, I have to say something, and I have to say it through music. And but you know, I never I never want to hold back, and I never want to compromise that part of who I am. Because growing up in South Africa, it was pretty much a crazy crazy time for me. You know, I mean, you know, I never. Uh, you know, under the Immorality Act in South Africa, I couldn't date a white woman without being thrown in jail. And so, I mean, what kind of country are we living in? And, you know, and then, of course, I had my problems with religion, too. You know, how can you sell me, you know, religion when when people are being killed in the name, you know, of religion? I said, man, so I had my own cross to bear, you know, but I was, I kind of had my meeting with God uh, uh, when I was 19, you know, strung out on drugs and and just uh, all kinds of drugs. And um, I had my encounter and that sort of changed my perspective, changed how my heart was feeling at the time. And um, I just wanted to make beautiful music, you know, for people to to be, to feel good and to be happy when they leave my concert, that they'll, they'll feel some kind of presence, some kind of upliftment so to speak, you know? The track you are hearing is from Ubuntu, the latest album by Jonathan Butler, available now on Mac Avenue and produced by Marcus Miller. We'll talk more about this album in a moment, but first I wanted to remind you that if you love jazz and vinyl, you should check out Jazz's Vinyl Club, a new series of vinyl compilations carefully curated by the Jazz's editors and featuring some of the most exciting jazz artists from yesterday and today that we cover in the print version of Jazz's. 
jazzes.com and these jazzes podcasts go to jazzes.com and click on join vinyl club and now back to our conversation with Jonathan Butler uh, so at 19 you also had a, a realized you came to a realization that also you had your own demons that you had to uh fight aside from all the social oppression and injustices that you encountered and that sense and you overcame them and that helped you also helped you evolve then yes it really did it really did it was uh i didn't get to the states by myself you know it was the opportunities came through that jive records you know and um i was signed to the independent label in I think 1973 or four, I was signed to their independent label in Johannesburg, and they gave me an opportunity to um, c- come to England and become a songwriter or you know work on some music. And so I took the opportunity, and um, I did my first record, which was introducing Jonathan Butler in New York, and it it was well received. It was well received throughout the community. Of, you know jazz uh, listeners and then i did my double album which was lies and you know um and so i i had little did i know that i was going to be nominated for two grammys i my record went gold at the time i think it's platinum way past platinum and so i didn't get you alone so you know i mean there were people that gave me an opportunity and i wanted to do right by them and really make them proud you know and, and coming to America was a big adjustment for me, huge adjustment, you know. But I was saying about my spirituality, my, my you know, my encounter spiritually was somebody, uh, I, I like to use this phrase, somebody loved me enough to say, hey, man, you know, you can't do this by yourself, you know, you can't just kick this habit alone, you know. And so um, I accepted Christ as my savior and, um, I pursued Christ throughout my life, even to this day, you know, and I wanted to, because of my faith is what's kept me going. My faith is really what has kept me going through some of the painful memories of show business when I was a teenager, you know, um, molested as a young boy and, and physically abused as a young boy. And so my faith has been a, a, a very deep thing for me. Um, I get to share it with people on stage as well, you know, they get to hear the gospel side of me a little bit, and, but, you know, but it's, it's really just who I am. It's really just who I am, you know? Yeah. Right, right. And another part of uh, who you are, uh, certainly represented in your music, and we talked about it earlier, is in your music, you, you, you speak out against injustice. And I feel like you continue to do that, including on your latest album, Ubuntu. Now, what was the impetus and inspiration behind this record, the message that you hope to communicate? Well, you know, we, we, we started this, you know, Marcus Miller and I, 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 Marcus actually joined me on a safari trip, you know, him and his wife. They, uh, they, they, flew, they flew out to South Africa and it was in South Africa that I asked Marcus to produce the record for me. And now, you know, I've been a huge Marcus Miller fan since 
daybreak, whatever, you know, since the beginning of time. I mean, this guy was just somebody I admired. And we met in the 80s, sometime in 88 or 87 in New York City. I actually, I actually um, uh, did a record called Heal Our Land uh, about South Africa. Um, and so we met that time. And then, so this was before COVID. So while we were in, in the bush in South Africa, I asked Marcus about this record. I said, would you, would you be so, would you produce this album for me, man? Because I'm really stuck, you know. I was in a very creative space was kind of weird for me. I, I told him, I said, look, I'm back in South Africa in search of myself. I'm looking for myself. That's why I'm here, you know. That's why I come home every year. And I came to reconnect with my roots, you know, and would you, you know, would you make some time and like produce my record? And he's agreed. And um, so that was during, that's before COVID. So before COVID, I started another record. You know, we, we, we recorded an album there and then COVID hit. And then everything was like, everything stopped for three years. And during that three years and during COVID, I started writing like, you know, When Love Comes In and when George Floyd, was killed, uh, uh, it, you know, I wrote um, Our Voices Matter, you know, and Rainbow Nation. And so it was like COVID came around, everything stopped. We started writing other stuff. I started writing some more different material and different songs. And then when COVID ended, we had another listen to this album and we just pursued this record, you know, and it just like came together. And I think, thank God for Marcus because he's uh steadiness, you know, to just kind of like, Hey, let's complete this record from South Africa, you know? And so we kind of went into it and Ubuntu arrived, the name, the title of the record arrived from a philosophy in, in South Africa about, you know, I am because we are, you know, I am because you are, and it's also humanity towards other people, you know. And so I believed in it. I, I spent a lot of time with the Archdiocese Tutu, hearing him speak and, and, and watching him be a light even in the craziest time in South Africa where there was just about to be a civil war. He was the guy who, you know, showed Ubuntu in its real form, you know, and I really wanted this record to be that album because, I mean, we had come through COVID, people were dying, friends of ours, were, of ours were dying. George Floyd's murder in America was such a, it impacted me so greatly that, you know, I wanted that to be a conversation uh, among musicians because we need to speak out about things. We have the power and we have, you know, a platform. So I really wanted the record to uh, represent, you know, um, um, all of that. So during COVID, I was, you know, I was still writing like three, four, five, I think I probably wrote 10 albums during COVID. And so, but we came back to this album and in the end. Yeah. 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 And speaking of, uh, 10 albums, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a coincidence, but I believe this is your 10th album with, uh, Mac Avenue. So it's kind of a landmark. Oh man, that I wanted to it's mention. been a good, it's been a good relationship, you know, because they've embraced me as, as a person and, and as an artist, they, they, they get what I'm about and they get what I do is, is, you know, I walk the parallel, uh, a universe between gospel and, and the secular world. So I'm, 
And believe me, I, I, it, it came together seamlessly because it's been years, many, many years of me just praying for a release, a sense of peace about it because, you know, the gospel community is very different from the secular community, you know, so they don't want you to fool around with it, you know, so I never wanted to do gospel anywhere unless I felt the universe, God released me to do it. So it just so happens that all things, all things at the time worked out for me that I can now say I'm doing this dual dance, you know, um, being able to be uh, in, uh, let's put it in the world and in the church at the same time. Right. And then, and then there was jazz too, which uh, probably, yeah, helped you kind of forge your own styles. And it's kind of like, you know, among other uh, art forms and music, it's probably the one that liberates the artist more, you know? Well, and also, you know, the, the lifeline, the, the, the connection with gospel and jazz, it's just, it's always there. It's always been there. Uh, but for me, I mean, I grew up amongst really, really amazing South African musicians. I was blessed to to be raised among these amazing musicians who I learned from. I mean, I, I stole with my eyes, you know, watching them playing, and I stole with my ears when I'm hearing some beautiful tones. I'm like, I want to sound like that, you know? And so it took me years to kind of sound like this because this is who supposed to be the sound this is supposed to be the sound coming from me it's me and so to all your listeners if i want to say find your sound you know because we all have a very distinctive style and sound you know in our brain you know in the way we groove to music the way we feel music and um and don't be afraid to make that sound your own and, and i i kind of learned from early days with george benson and old clue who was truly uh, my favorites, you know, what, two of my favorites, you know, of all time. And, but I realized I have to be Jonathan Butler, you know. I can't be George. I cannot be Earl Clue. So I think uh, Ubuntu is, is, is my way back to my roots um, and my way back to writing, uh, composing, writing songs with people that really get the message, you know, but really get the message that I'm trying to put out there, you know. To find your sound is, is a good advice, not only for musicians, but also, I guess, for everybody else, even people who are not involved in making music, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, I do believe so, man. You know, I think, um, you know, as artists, you know, we, we when I was younger, I would, I, it was always about the, the, the hardest singles that are out there, even the hardest new sound and trying to emulate that and imitate that. And, but as I grew older, I realized, man, I just sound different from other people, from other musicians. I just sound different. I just have a different ear and a different, um, maybe it's because I was never trained musically. You know, I never went to music school, Berkeley or Juilliard. You know, I learned from the streets in South Africa how to play from my parents. My parents was, my father was a banjo player. And my oldest brother played banjo and my father was a guitarist and singer. My mother was an organist and soprano singer. Uh, so I learned from them and I learned from being on the road, you know, uh, playing next to us, playing next to the, the, these musicians is really what enriched my life and kind of gave me a sense of, um, uh, of, of like, you know, 
let people hear the South African side of you. And, and because, you know, when growing up in South Africa, we heard only American music on the radio. We only heard British. And, and, and so we always did covers. We, you know, every nightclub, every nightclub we played in was covers. So we had to, I, I got frustrated when I was in my later, later teen years. I started getting frustrated playing covers, you know, because I felt like the, the radio stations were not really paying attention to our music, you know, like we were not getting played on the radio unless we had a cover by somebody. We'll get some kind of radio airtime, you know, but, um, <clears throat> you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and I read that you kind of helped break down barriers in that sense, too, because you were the first non-white artist to be played on segregated South African radio. So that's, that uh, crazy? <laughs> that's a pretty big deal, right? <laughs> Historically speaking. Well, yeah. uh, Jonathan, it has been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for sharing your story. And I urge all listeners to check out your latest album, Ubuntu. Uh, absolutely amazing. So uh, thank, thank you, you very much. Brother. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Likewise, man. enjoyed my conversation with Jonathan Butler. His latest album, Ubuntu, is available now on Mac Avenue. And if you love jazz and vinyl, be sure to check out our Jazz A's Vinyl Club. Join the club and we will send you four premium limited edition color vinyl albums mailed directly to you. Just go to jazzaise.com and click on Join Vinyl Club for more. And as music from Ubuntu by Jonathan Butler plays us out, I encourage you to keep an eye out for more Jazz podcasts, our print magazine, and other great content available to you on our regularly updated website, jazzes.com. And if you like what you see, you can always subscribe for more. Till the next time, this is Matt McCucci signing off. See you soon. Mm-hmm.